0: Tonight's teaching is joy, so I'm full of joy giving this teaching tonight, and I'm focusing on the last message that our Lord gave our community of March 14th, and before I start, I want to ask each of you a question for you to honestly answer in your hearts. You don't have to give me the answer, but honestly answer it in your heart. Do you remember what the Lord said March 14th? The words from the Lord, have they penetrated your heart? Have they remained in your hearts? Or have you forgotten? So just keep that question in your heart. So I'm going to remind you and I'm going to first read you what our Lord said and then we're going to go back and I'm going to to teach from it. The Lord said, I am making all things new. Do you think that my death and resurrection was useless and powerless? No, my little one. I am making all things new, yet few believe. They have not come to know me my father and the power of the Holy Spirit. They live in the deception of Satan's lies and darkness. Their gods have become money, wealth, power, self. But the truth is that I am alive in the world, present, with all my power and glory, and at the designated time chosen by our Father, I, united to my faithful remnant of victim souls, will seize the dragon. Many will be lost because their pride kept them from believing in me, the God of heaven and earth. Persevere in the mission I have entrusted to you. Tell my family, love crucified, to pray for greater faith, to believe in the words I have spoken. If my words remain in your hearts, you will persevere through the many trials predestined for you to suffer for the glory of God and the salvation of countless souls. I desire to see each of you rejoicing always in good times and in bad because you have come to believe that I am with you. You have come to taste the goodness of the Lord. Joy is the fruit of trust. And therefore, my followers live in the praise of God. My witnesses will be known in the world through the light of praise and joy that radiates from your lives. My little ones, believe that in the midst of this darkness, I am making all things new through you, with you, and in you. Proclaim what I have done in you. Through the simple path I have been leading you in. Go forth and be my disciples of light for the light has already conquered the darkness. Okay, so let us go back. First of all, the Lord mentions three times I am making all things new. And of course, we know these words from the Lord are scriptural. For example, in Isaiah chapter 65, which we recently had at Mass, it says, verses 17 through 19. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem. As a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. Do you realize that this prophecy of Isaiah has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ? in each of us, we just had our retreat in Colombia. Our retreat was a time of the joy of the most holy trinity. Why? Because in that retreat, we experienced the transformation of the men and women of our community. A true transfiguration the Lord delights in us we have become his people we are a new creation in Revelations 21 5 it says and the one who was seated at on the throne said see I am making all things new. If we go back to the message, our Lord then asks a question. Do you think that my death and resurrection was useless and powerless ever since I received this message on March 14th. I have pondered this message every single day and more than once a day. I was determined that this message would not be forgotten in my heart. I was determined that I would allow the Holy Spirit to brand these words in my heart so that they would become flesh of my flesh. What has this question done for me? If I asked any of us, do you think that my Jesus' death and resurrection is useless or powerless? Intellectually, we would all say, of course not. Yet. As I pondered and read this question over and over, something powerful began to happen in my heart. It's as if the Holy Spirit, through these words of the Lord, was bringing a truth into the consciousness of my entire being. Do you think, Lord, is that my cross is useless and powerless. This question was bringing the truth into the light of my everyday life. And I had to ask myself, do I live with all my being In the truth, in the reality, in the light that Jesus' death and resurrection is power in my daily life, is working, is alive in my daily life. We move on. The Lord says, again, I am making all things new that few believe and now he comes to speak to us about knowledge and the Lord says that many times people including us might not know him nor the Father nor the Holy Spirit because we have not received knowledge and he tells us in the second sentence right after that one that they live in the deception of Satan's lies and darkness this is in our path how deep do we all have to go because the deception of Satan's lies and darkness live in each of us and that deception has blocked us from knowing the love, the goodness, the presence, the power, the majesty, the mercy of our God. The Lord goes on. Says then, I'm going to skip a little so I have time to to cover joy. Persevere. And then he tells us how to persevere. He says, First, he wants all of us to pray for greater faith, to believe in the words he has spoken to us. Therefore, we need to pray for this grace every single day. And then he tells us something very specific to do, which is the beauty of the simplicity of how God teaches and forms us. He says, if my words remain in your hearts, You will, he makes a promise to us. You will persevere through the many trials predestined for you to suffer for the glory of God and the salvation of countless souls. I want to give you an example of what happened to me. After about five days of pondering this message, one night I went to sleep with a profound, profound sorrow and suffering in my heart. And I couldn't sleep. And in the middle of the night, in the midst of this suffering and sorrow, The words of our Lord from this message began to come to me. The first sentence that came to me was, do you think my death and resurrection was useless and powerless? And I would answer the Lord, no, my Lord, I believe. The next words that came to me, were this word, that I am alive in the world, in all my power and glory. And in that sorrow, I started to thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are present here. The word predestined in this message really struck my heart. And that word in the middle of the night came to me. And in that pain and suffering, I understood something. The sorrow I was suffering is a familiar sorrow for me. It is a sorrow of a sin, of a brokenness that's part of my life. And I realized that cross that sorrow has been predestined for me by God in all his goodness so that i could suffer this particular sorrow with the heart of jesus obtaining graces for the many in the world with this same with this same disordered condition in their lives and I thought wow the final sentence that the spirit brought to my heart through that night was this sentence in the midst of this darkness I am making all things new through you with you and in you and I thought wow this sorrow suffered as one with Christ and Mary is making my husband new, my children new, my grandchildren, my nieces, my nephews, my entire territory of souls And there I entered rejoicing. I entered the rejoicing. And I thought, wow. Because I had been pondering these words, they remained in my heart. And because they remained in my heart, the Holy Spirit could guide me through that trial. The words were God himself, the spirit himself, showing me, strengthening me in that suffering. It was amazing. It was powerful. And I persevered through the night. That is what the Lord is telling us. That is what he wants from each of us. So there he tells us, I desire. The Lord is bringing love crucified to an amazing, beautiful place of transformation, joy. The joy of the heart of the father. And he's saying to each of us, you, my little victim souls, I desire to see each of you Rejoicing always, always, the Lord is saying, in good times and in bad, because you, each of you have come to know me. You have come to believe that I am truly with you and in you. You have come to taste the goodness of the Lord. And there he begins to speak to us about joy. And that is what I would like to spend the rest of this teaching focused on. By the way, believe is given five times in this message. And this is what the Lord is asking us to believe that he is making All things new. He is asking us to believe. I am alive in the world. Present. With all my power and glory. And at the designated time. Chosen by our father. I. United to my faithful remnant of victim souls. Which is each of us will seize the dragon he's asking us to believe in the words he speaks to us he's asking us to believe and tells us if my words remain in your hearts you will persevere through the many trials predestined for you to suffer for the glory of God And the salvation of countless souls he says believe that I am with you he says believe that in the midst of this darkness I am making all things new through you with you and in you and finally to believe That the light has already conquered the darkness. The fruit of our believing, which is our faith, our hope and love, is joy. And the ability to live rejoicing always, even in bad times. The mark of an authentic victim soul is joy, is the spirit of rejoicing. So I'd like to go to the ending of the book, The Return of the Prodigal Son by Father Henry Nowen. And this was a part of the book that was my favorite. At the end of the book, On page 113 to 116, there is a section called An Invitation to Joy. And this is what he writes. God rejoices. Not because the problems of the world have been solved. Not because all human pain and suffering have come to an end nor because thousands of people have been converted and are now praising him for his goodness. No, God rejoices because one of his children who was lost has been found. What I am called to is to enter into that joy. It is God's joy, not the joy of the that the world offers, it is the joy that comes from seeing a child walk home amid all the destruction, devastation and anguish of the world, it is a hidden joy and I was so touched because in Colombia for the first time ever, in my life, I gave my testimony of life. And one of the things that I shared in my testimony of life was that I was dead and Jesus through the cross brought me back to life. And I thought, wow, that is the joy of God. And this is important because there is a difference between joy and happiness and part of the problem is many times we think joy and happiness are the same. Happiness is an emotion experienced when in a state of well-being. For example, tonight After dinner, I had a dessert, Mm -hmm. and I treated myself Mm -hmm. to a magnum double chocolate ice cream bar.
1: (laughs) And that was an occasion
0: of profound happiness. (laughs) Happiness can be uh, uh, many things, as you know. But it's an emotion. And many times, happiness, when in a state of pain and suffering, you don't have happiness. But joy comes from God. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit that comes from the heart of God. Joy is a state of being. Joy is a state of peace and stillness interior. Joy is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our interior life, in our heart, in our soul, in our mind. Joy comes from truth. That is why the Lord is telling us to believe in these truths. These are truths of God. They are truths of redemption. They are truths of the cross. And when we can believe, we can receive the joy of the Father. Joy comes from communion with God. Joy is peace, and joy is the fruit of faith, hope, and love. That is why in John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus says, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. The Lord says it perfectly, simply, that his joy be in us. In in page 320 of the path, in number 119, the Lord said this, one sentence, I'm gonna read to you. He said, be filled with my joy in believing that God has found favor with you and he delights in you. I really pondered this and I think that for me and maybe, a lot of people this is the most difficult thing to believe it is easier for me to believe that God is making good out of bad that God is truly present that the darkness is going to be pierced but to believe that God has found favor with me to believe that I am his delight, I really struggle with that. There always seems to be a little voice inside of me that can't accept it, that's saying you're not good enough, it can't be, you don't deserve this, you haven't loved enough, and I have been praying because I realize today, this has been in our path for years, but I realize today that the Lord says, be filled with my joy. You see, again, he's saying it's the joy of God, the Father. And I have been praying, and all of us need to pray for the grace to truly in this community, each of us, To receive the joy of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that he has found favor with you, Kathy, with you, Lisa, with you, William, and Yadi, he has found favor with you and he delights in you, Lilian, Sandra Rojas, Miriam, Father Jordy, Miriam, Bernie, (laughs) He delights in me. I I feel this sentence. Everybody go to the path, highlight this sentence. For the rest of Lent, we must ask for the grace to believe so we can receive the joy of the Father. Henry Nouwen goes on to say, I am not accustomed to rejoicing in things that are small, hidden and scarcely noticed by the people around me. I am generally ready and prepared to receive bad news, to read about wars, violence and crimes and to witness conflict and disarray. Father Jordy is saying volcanoes, I mean Father Ron, because yesterday I was checking out the volcano in Mexico. (laughs) He's here laughing at me. Uh, Lourdes, I lost you here with the volcano. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I lost the volcano. I I was just saying yesterday, Father Ron was watching me research on the Internet what's going on with the volcano in Mexico to see if it was safe for our trip. Me of little faith. (laughs) You see? Father Ron always catches me (laughs) and points out my lack of trust. (laughs) Anyways, I'm going on with Henry Nowen, Father Jordy. I always expect, Henry Nowen says, my visitors to talk about the problems and pain, their setbacks, and disappointments, their depressions and their anguish. Somehow, I have become accustomed to living with sadness. My family, think about those words because I can see myself there. I think for most of my life, I became accustomed to living in sadness and so have lost the eyes to see the joy and the ears to hear the gladness that belongs to God and which is to be found in the hidden corners of the world. This is so beautiful for us, because in Chapter 2 of the path, number 7, in page 30, the Lord speaks about the veils he wants to remove from our eyes, and he says, Each grace removes a veil that keeps the eyes of your soul from seeing the glory of God before you. Sadness, lack of faith, keeps us from seeing the glory of God before us. Living in the joy of the Father opens our eyes to see God before us. I was praying the rosary at 3 o'clock today outside in my backyard. And the birds, there were so many birds. There were two woodpeckers. They were singing and making all this noise. And I felt I was seeing the glory of God before me. Nature was praying the rosary of the Fatima today with the world. It was as if the birds joined in and were lifting up to the Father our prayers. I could see in the birds the glory of God. It was amazing. Father Nowen goes on to give an example. He says, I have a friend who is so deeply connected with God that he can see joy where I expect only sadness. He travels much and meets countless people. When he returns home, I always expect him to tell me about the difficult economic situation of the countries he visited. About the great injustices he heard about. And the pain he has seen. But even though he is is very aware of the great upheaval of the world, he seldom speaks of it. When he shares his experiences, He tells about the hidden joys he has discovered. He tells about a man, a woman or a child who brought him hope and peace. He tells about little groups of people who are faithful to each other in the midst of all the turmoil. He tells about the small wonders of God. This is a real discipline. It requires choosing for the light, even when there is much darkness. This is exactly what the Lord tells us in Chapter 4 of the path. You must choose what is most difficult, not what is most easiest. For most of us, we must choose not to fall into sadness. We must choose to receive and enter the joy of God. We must choose the light every day in the midst of darkness. The light in the little ways. This week, one of my sons, Nikki, came home telling two stories of how he was the good Samaritan. How he helped someone on the road, jumpstart their car. How he helped another person. That was entering the joy of God, because God was celebrating in the kindness and goodness of my son. I had to remember that small joy and delight and enter the joy of God, instead of focusing on all the negative things. For me personally, and I think for many people, it's so much easier to focus on the negative and forget the little, little lights. He goes on to say, Father, I'm skipping a little in your notes. The reward of choosing joy is joy itself. Living among people with mental disabilities has convinced me of that. There is so much rejection, pain, and woundedness among us. Don't we all know that? A community that has dealt so much with wounds but once you choose to claim the joy hidden in the midst of all suffering, life becomes a celebration. Think about this, receive these words, claim the joy hidden In the midst of all suffering. This is the same thing that I said in a teaching about the storms. It it was a three series. And that teaching has really remained in my heart. And I said one thing that I knew was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. And I have kept that one sentence. I said that in every storm of our lives, there is the blessing of God. And we need to discover in every single trial, in every storm, that blessing. It is the same thing here. In every suffering, there is a joy and we need to claim it, receive it. Joy never denies sadness, but transforms it to a fertile soil for more joy. In Christianity, joy and sorrow are together. In the world, joy and sorrow are separated, but as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, joy and sorrow are one, and you see this clearly in the life of Jesus and Mary. Jesus as Isaiah 53 tells us, is the man of sorrows. Our blessed mother is the mother of sorrows. Yet in all those sorrows, all that pain, joy never left their hearts. In the Pieta, as we see the agony of Our Lady, with her dead son in her arms, she is experiencing profound pain, yet interiorly she's in peace, a stillness, an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because she lives knowing who God is, she believes that that death and and the resurrection that was to come is the power of God making all things new. Those truths are one in Mary's heart. And therefore she lives always with Jesus in the joy of the Father. That is how St. Paul lives. So he can say, rejoice always. As he lives persecution and anguish and beatings and all kinds of horrible things. Father now goes on to say. Surely. I will be called naive. Unrealistic. And sentimental. And I will be accused of ignoring the real problems, the structural evils that underlie much of human misery. But God rejoices when one repentant sinner returns. Statistically, that is not very interesting. But for God, listen carefully, my family. Numbers never seem to matter. That is why we are his little mustard seed. And with a community of 69 members, God is doing great and mighty things in our lives, in the lives of those around us and far beyond our reach. And finally, the Lord tells us in the message, go forth and be my disciples of light. For the light has already conquered the darkness. Henry Nawin says, people who have come to know the joy of God do not deny the darkness but they choose not to live in it. They claim that the light that shines in the darkness can be trusted more than the darkness itself. And that a little bit of light can dispel a lot of darkness. In the path, The Lord said to love crucified, you are my heralds of hope. The Lord has spoken to us for years about the darkness and has told us, do not fear the darkness. You are my light. You are one with the light. And that light has the power to penetrate and is and will. Triumph, because I have already triumphed. In the midst of all this darkness, we always must choose to focus on the light with people around us. We are called to be Jesus' heralds of hope. And people of hope are people of joy. There is seldom a minute in my life He says, and boy can I relate to this, that I am not tempted by sadness, melancholy, cynicism, dark moods, somber thoughts, morbid speculation, and waves of depression. This is what we have to fight. We have to believe with not only our mind. I I speak to a lot of people and say, and even myself and each of us, I can believe that with my mind, but Lord, I don't quite live it in my heart. We have to believe not only with our mind, but with our heart. And when we believe with our mind and our heart, it penetrates the depth of our soul. And yet, that is not enough. We have to believe with all our strength. And what does that mean to believe with our strength? It means our will. We, our will, has to fight against our tendencies to enter sadness to focus on the negative to focus on the darkness and that's why the Lord says to us in chapter four you have to discipline yourself it takes discipline and when we can believe with all our heart with all our mind with all our strength and our soul, then we can live the commandment and the deepest desire of God. Love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Amen. Mm -hmm.